sky so bright, just like raindrops in the window pane. When your eyes are blue, something's wrong with you. Let me kiss the love light back again. Brown eyes, why are you blue? Hello, welcome to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. So in this episode, I'll be beginning my look at Sinclair Lewis's novel Dodsworth. Uh, this is the third in a trilogy of novels published in a volume um, by the Library of America, looking at his novels from the later half of the 1920s. Um, we looked at Aerosmith, we looked at Elmer Gantry, and now we're going to finish this up with, with Dodsworth. Now, in my opinion, uh, this novel, which, which was published in 1929, is maybe the least impactful of these three books, I think Aerosmith is by far the most impactful. I think Elmer Gantry has a lot of uh, great moments. It's an excellent satire of American religion and, and kind of the culture wars of the 1920s and the rise of fundamentalism. And, you know, given that Sinclair Lewis is the one that said that fascism, when it will come to America, will come wrapped in a flag and a cross, carrying a cross, it's, it makes sense why he, he wrote that novel. Um, this book, it's much smaller, first of all, Dodsworth. It's not only shorter, significantly shorter than the other two. We'll be doing it in three episodes rather than four or five, as with the other two. It's also, like, in smaller scale. It really deals with just the relationship between the titular character, uh, Sam Dodsworth, and his, and his, his wife, uh, Fran. Uh, so the novel begins with uh, him just kind of beginning his career. He's uh, just out of college. It's 1903. He's got a brand new car, and he uses that. It's a great moment, actually, of kind of when you think of how much cars played a role in American courtship. You know, the fact that he drives in in this brand new car in 1903. <laughs> you know, you can imagine what cars were like back then. But uh, he's got this new job at the car factory. He's ready to begin his career. And he... And he uh, picks up this old acquaintance, Fran, and basically, by the end of the first chapter, they are committed to marriage. Um, <clears throat> we're given a, a really brief overview of what, what happens to Sam Dodsworth and his wife in the aftermath of this marriage at the end of the chapter. Quote, it was not until 1908, when they, he had been married for five years to Fran Volker, that they had had two babies, Emily and Brent, that Samuel Dodsworth came into his real struggle at the Revelation Automobile company and uh so then we kind of uh you know he gets through that he gets through that crisis and he ends up actually becoming like the the boss of this auto company that he's working for revelation automobile company so right away we're kind of thrust into this kind of narrative of american consumerism and much of this novel really deals with the contrast between the united states and and England, in Europe in general, right? It's very much like a Henry James novel, which is actually our next series. We'll be after a few episodes of this book, we'll be jumping to Henry James's earliest works, his earliest five novels in, in, a, in a series. And those are all about kind of these connections between America and, and Europe, right? He, of course, was an, an expat living in Europe much of his life and he often wrote about those types of people or wrote about Europeans in America that kind of stuff the transatlantic the tra the kind of the anglo american or or euro american kind of sphere 
This novel kind of touches on that. Of course, he's doing it much later than Henry James. So he's going to have to kind of come at it in his own distinctive way. And I think what's really great about this novel, even though it's not my favorite of these three by far, I think it does effectively kind of lambast American kind of consumer culture and and a certain shallowness of it. But I don't really like this use of Europe as a foil all the time for America, which is kind of a cliche in in American novels. You even see it in like um, Baldwin uh, James Baldwin's books where, you know, he's going off to, to, to Europe. And, you know, there may be some truth to that. You know, you think about Frederick Douglass, obviously, who, you know, when he was given that speech, you know, what to the American is the 4th of July, you know, he had in the backdrop of that his visits to Europe and his experiences in Europe. And a lot of African-Americans who traveled to Europe came back thinking, you know, it's like there, you know, can be greater racial equality. It's not like something that's so difficult to imagine. So I think there are times when Europe can be an effective foil to to America, but it often kind of maybe this comes from myself being an expat where I see kind of Europeans with a little bit of a superiority complex towards Americans. And it's kind of easy to sustain these days in the years of Trump. Um, But, you know, Europe's not doing any better with covid than the United States did. And, you know, Europe had slavery and genocide and, you know, world wars. Uh, empires that span the world. I mean, Europe has its has its blood on its hands. It's not, you know. In fact, its history is just as dark, if not darker, than than American history. So um, I'm not a fan of that. Anyways, this novel is mostly set in the post World War One era. Um, we actually jump. There's a time jump between chapters one and two, like 20 years into the future. So the kids are already kind of ones about ready to get married the others like entering boarding school they're not really needed anymore sam dosworth is rich he's a millionaire he can do whatever he wants with his money um his wife is getting is like 10 years younger than him so that's kind of an important point i think at the start of the novel he's like 28 or so and he marries her she's just uh just out of high school or whatever just 18 and then at this point they're it might even be 25 years later so she's She's like mid-30s, early 40s. Uh, I don't care enough about this novel to actually get these exact you know, numbers down. But he's in his, like, this is, this is late 40s, early 50s. And, he's, and they're in very different places in their life, right? So if you've ever had one of these spring-autumn marriages, or if you've been in one, or if you know anyone who's been in one, you, know, you can see how over time maybe that age gap, start, you start to feel it in certain ways, right? And certainly these characters feel it. And it's going to be Europe that brings it to a head, right? But before we get to Europe, we spend a lot of time with this kind of banality of of American kind of middle. It's even not middle class. It's like elite life, but it kind of parallels maybe some of the changes in middle class life. Samuel Dobbsworth basically is a technocrat. He's a CEO. He's not a very interesting person. He's not particularly curious outside of his profession. He's kind of a lame guy, actually. It's hard not to sympathize with Fran throughout much of the novel, even though she's can be annoying too. Both neither of these characters are very appealing at the end of the day. I mean, Fran's slightly more interesting, just as someone who's trying to make the most of her life as she's reaching kind of the second half of it. And Sam Dodsworth is sort of like he's achieved what he wants to achieve, and so there's nothing really Europe can offer him. So he's just kind of whining the whole time. There's a lot of these characters are whining for much of the novel about their time together. And, and of course, the plot of the novel is about the breakup of this marriage and how Europe and the Europe becomes a foil for their relationship 
and shatters it and then they kind of move on with their lives in hopefully perhaps more meaningful ways perhaps not but that's kind of where the novel ends up uh, by the end so there's not going to be a whole lot to say about this a lot of the novel is like they go from here to there they travel here to there they meet these people uh, discussions and conversations about these parties these uh, you know these people they meet and there is a kind of interesting cast of characters in the backdrop of the novel these expat types these Americans who come to Europe and they're hanging around different kind of Europeans who are hanging out with these Americans and and kind of all that but it's it's all a very bourgeois view of the world of course at this time only the people of the middle class or the elite could afford a you know like a open-ended trip to Europe like uh, Sam Sam Dodsworth and his wife go on that's what it essentially is but anyways before we get there we we kind of get this snapshot of his 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 life um, and he's just a he, he's basically been reduced to uh, a capitalist and a consumer that's what his life revolves around and he's pretty he's pretty banal so we find this quote in chapter two which kind of sums it up Quote, to define what Sam Dodsworth was at 50 is the easiest to state what he was not. He was none of the things that most Europeans and many Americans expect in the leader of American industry. He was not a Babbitt, nor a Rotarian, nor an Elk, nor a Deacon. He rarely shouted, never slapped people on the back, and he had attended only six baseball games since 1900. He knew and thoroughly the Babbitts and baseball fans, but only in business. While he was bored by free verse and cubism, he thought rather well of Dreiser, Cabal, and so much of Proust as he had rather laboriously mastered. He played golf reasonably well and did not often take talk of his scores. He liked fishing camps in Ontario, and he never made himself believe that he preferred hemlock bows to the mattress. He was common sense apotheosized. He had the energy and reliability of a dynamo. He liked whiskey and poker and pâté de foie gras, and all the while he dreamed of, of motors like thunderbolts as poets less modern than himself might dream of stars and roses and nymphs by a pool. End quote. And that's ultimately going to be the problem with Sam Dodsworth is he, he is just what American capitalism made him, which is a, a function, a, a functionary in, a, in an automobile company. And there's not, you, you know, how much ever times he spends in Europe, he can't stop being that. Right. There's a great scene earlier in the book where he's like they're on the ship and Fran's interested in like the people and the, 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 the adventure of it all. You know, as much as you can have adventure, this kind of thing. And he's interested in like the motors and, and all that kind of stuff. And he's interested in like, you know, European auto companies than he is in like the social life and the community of, of Europe. So there, there's not much growth for him, I think. And I think that might be a problem with this, this um, novel. Now, as now we learn in the second chapter that uh, Samuel Dodsworth is. Basically, the company is being bought out by a larger auto company. And this is, of course, potentially the end of his career. They offer him a job in the new, you know, reorganized re, uh, company, as you would expect. And he, he takes it. But as we find out later on, he decides to go on this long trip first before really sitting into the job. And of course, he's going to make money, right, uh, through the sale. He's going to end up with a large chunk of change. So although he's already rich, he's already like a millionaire, he's going to end up okay, as happens in these kinds of mergers. So nothing's changed in 100 years and how even someone who CEO fails uh, in his corporation and gets it bought up, still gets the biggest paycheck at the, at the end of the day. 
if he gets a nice sinecure after it's it's over you know i think they end up buying it it's it's one of these mergers where they're buying it to get rid of the competition or to maybe buy a product line uh, or some of the supply chain not really to you know to to be not to join the companies really in any essential sense but to kind of take an aspect of it right that they need and which of course is what happens in many of these mergers uh, and we, we get a scene where they meet like the head of this other company, Mr. Alexander Kyance, and he's just sort of as boring as, as Dogsworth. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, Elmer Gantry is fascinating here. He's a fascinating character. He's rich. He's exciting. He's dynamic. He's, he's got passion. He's, he's kind of got that alpha male attitude, but it's kind of fun to watch as he goes ups and down in his careers and faces challenges and He's kind of an anti-villain. He's a he's a he's a anti-hero type character. Aerosmith, you know, is is a much more noble character in almost every way. But he's also kind of navigating a career, and we see him from youth to a, to maturity as he's trying to navigate his career. That's really fun to watch and kind of beautiful in a way. But Dosworth, he has nowhere to go at this point in his career. Right. And intellectually, he's not going to mature. He's not going to go anywhere. Europe's not going to teach him anything. Uh, the only thing he really learns is that he really can't suffer his, his wife's. Um, and I'm going to get into the sexual morality stuff later on in the book, because that's, of course, a lot of the tension is his wife spends a lot of time with men and Sam Dodsworth, who doesn't seem the most affectionate and loving and, and passionate husband. Him being older doesn't, I think, help matters in this regard and being at work all the time. But, you know, the marriage is sort of puttering around. There's nothing that's like, wow, that's a really interesting character aspect. It's just sort of bland. So that's my feeling. Now, maybe someone else had different experiences about this when they read Dodsworth, if you have. Um, but he seems he's literally part of the machine. That's, that's how I kept feeling when I read this book, you know, how he would like stop and literally look at the machines on the ship rather than talk about the people or think about what he's going to do in Europe. That's not his mind. He's instantly like happiest seeing the mechanisms running the steamship. So that's his life. That's as far as he's going to go. And that's as far as he's going to mature. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bland. Fran is the one who's much more the protagonist of the novel. I think she's like one that actually moves things along. It's, it's like paralysis would have set in. You, you get the sense that if Sam Dodsworth hadn't, like if he wasn't married to this Fran, if Fran hadn't insisted on traveling, he just would have like taken this new job in this new company. It would have been a sinecure. He would have just sat in his office all day, went to meetings, played golf, took in his took in his paycheck, you know, kissed his wife at the end of the day, saw his kids get married, and that'll be it. And then he'll die. There's really paralysis in that character. Uh, and Fran's the one who says, "No, we're going to do something with our life now that we have the money and the time to do it." And she's the one, let's go to Europe and let's make it an open-ended trip. And throughout the novel, she's the one who sort of pushes the plot forward. In fact, there's a whole scene, and I'll talk about it in the next episode, where he literally kind of goes back to Zenith. That's where the story is initially set, is in Zenith, that fictional town of, of Sinclair Lewis's. Where, but there's a scene where he literally goes back to Zenith to deal with like his old contacts and things and finds that they don't really need him anymore. And, and like his life's even more banal at that point. Like there's nothing for him. Like his life's essentially over and Franz might be over too, but she's able to find something in Europe. 
to kind of awaken her a little bit and and give her some more kind of give her a direction and i I think that's that's how i'm reading it anyways uh now there's a lot of the back and forth about americans and, and europeans right uh listen to this so it's uh they're talking to this guy lockhart who's like a um they're in london they're already in London at this point. They're, they're meet up with this guy named Major Lockhart. He's one of like a, like a dozen or more people that they run into and, and interact with and chum with and, and, and kind of go on trips with or whatever. Uh, just kind of the people you meet when you travel around. Um, this guy, Major Lockhart. Um, I guess a major from the war, right? This is this, this stuff set in the 20s. So it's set after World War II, World War One. But enough past World War One that they're sort of recovered from it. Maybe not fully psychologically or socially, but... You know, and they're kind of Europe's been able to sort of move on to a certain degree from the war. But here's what he says. He says, appallingly, I know only two classes of people who hate their own race or tribe or nation or whatever you care to call it. Who travel principally to get away from their own people, who never speak of them except with loathing, who are pleased not to be taken as belongings to them. That is the Americans and the Jews. Right. So this idea of the Americans as self-hating wherever they go. And that might be the case for Sam Dodesworth, although he doesn't really contribute much to any of these conversations. He seems to be on the sidelines of so much. Just sort of being dragged around. If he wants to go anywhere, it's back home. Um, and he actually kind of hates travel. I, and I don't really like travel either, so I, I sympathize to a degree. But I don't sympathize with this kind of a professional and personal paralysis that he gets into. I don't think tr- travel's somehow going to liberate anyone or solve anyone's problems in their life. But with Fran, it, it seems to work. Fran, she did find something she was lacking in life through her travels. Um, quote, like most people who never traveled abroad, Sam had not emotionally believed that these foreign scenes veritably existed, that human beings could live in an environment so different from the front yards of Zena's suburbs that Europe was anything save a fetching myth like the Venusberg. But finding it actually visible, he gave himself up to grasping it as enthusiastically as these, as these many years he had given himself to grinding out motor cars, end quote. Now that does make it sound like, wow, he's finally getting into it a little bit, but He's doing it as enthusiastically as he's grinding out automobiles, which is with very little enthusiasm after all. I mean, just again, he's just being a functionary. He's just going through the motions of of all this. And I don't know if this is Sinclair Luce's point that this really is sort of the end result of of kind of American con- consumer capitalism is like this. This murdering of individuality and murder, not just individuality, but the, the kind of any kind of distinctiveness of personality. They just maybe it's more it's really like the, the, the one dimensional man kind of argument that was made. I think that's after World War Two, actually, that that's made. But you see kind of hints of it here, I think, as we see this character of of Dodsworth. Um, so. They they start to fight though, and and their their marriage starts to break down, and they're really the big thing they always are fighting about is who she's hanging out with, and how she wants to go out at night, and who she wants to go out with, and Sam Dodsworth, although not doing much of his husbandly duties, it's from the sense of it, but she's hanging out with younger men, she's hanging out with rich guys, she's kind of pretty, she's she's still beautiful, so she's attractive to these people, so there's a a draw, 
I guess, of Fran to these other people. And she spends a lot of time with them, often without Sam's company. And when he does come along, he seems to be dragged along. And it's... Um, Anyways, that's what I fight about. Then when they get home at night, you know, he's complaining that she's out with these guys or maybe she's having an affair or something. And it's even that's so banal. I'm going to talk more about that in the next episode. I'm going to really focus. I'm not going to do this chapter by chapter because I just don't have it in me right now to do it that way. But in the second episode, I want to focus on, I guess, the marriage itself and some of the sexual politics that might be at the backdrop of this this novel. So I'm going to leave this quick, and I think the next two episodes will also be quick. I think I'm going to go at it more thematically. Uh, this introduces the novel and talks about the character of Sam Dodsworth and why I find him so unappealing and and kind of blasé and boring. Um, but how I find Fran a much more fascinating character. So that's what I'll do next uh, next episode. And then for the third episode, I'm not sure what exactly angle I'll take with it, but... Um, I'll, I'll definitely tell you sort of how the novel ends up. There, there, there's not much point in going through the play-by-play in this novel because it really is just they go here and there. They eventually split up. She goes, He goes back to Zenith and she stays in Europe and sees the sights. Um, and then he comes back and they kind of reunite. But by that point, they've already sort of begun their separation. So I'll talk about all that stuff in future uh, episodes, the next two episodes to be, to be precise. So, um, anyways, overall, though, I think Sinclair Lewis, you know, he doesn't really write bad novels. I think uh, it does this just compared to Aerosmith, which blows you away um, so powerfully. This novel seems a bit of a letdown for me, although I do think it still he still maintains a lot of his biting uh, satire and criticism of of bougie life in America. And that's what Sinclair Lewis is for. That's what we that's what we go to him for. So, and it's definitely here. It's just without, without the fun character like a Elmore Gantry. So I guess that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, let me know what you think of Dodsworth by Sinclair Lewis, if you've read it, or any other works by Sinclair Lewis that you think might be relevant to the conversation. Let me know what they are, or how do you feel about travel? It, we've, it's come up a few times in this podcast, but... You know, if, you know, what, you know, can you think of other stories where, where perhaps uh, travel becomes kind of the key to breaking up a marriage? That might be an interesting thing to think about. So anyways, let me know uh, any of your thoughts. Send me an email at 100pagescast at gmail.com and I will see you next time. That's when they begin disappearing like the April snow Brown eyes Why are you blue? Brown eyes What can I do? Don't keep the sunshine off of your eyes Say if you are wise Use up all your